Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cosmic Navigator show. I think it's number 34. Um, I should be aware of it. But anyway, uh, we are out of the shadows. Well, you know, at least Mercury's shadows. There's other shadows. But um, what is interesting right now is that we have moved away from this retrograde that was kind of uh, devastating for a lot of people and the world itself. Uh, you saw what is going on stock market with uh, the worries about uh, hunger and so forth. So that definitely was a pretty big shadow. We are now at least for a while. The next Mercury retrograde is September 9 until October 3rd. We'll enter the shadow of Mercury probably in the beginning of September. We'll talk about it when it gets there. But at least now we have some month where you can make things happen. And what I wanted to do today is actually focus a little bit on the solstice. And maybe we'll have a, a little meditation to kind of welcome that auspicious day. Because in astrology, remember, we said the year is based on the th four, you can say, points or cardinal points, the four directions. It is uh, north, south, east, west. And in the chart, it corresponds to the rising sign, the point entrance to relationship, the seventh house, the midheaven, which is the zenith of the chart, the highest place, which is the north, and the nadir, which is the south. These four cardinals are also associated with the four cardinal signs. Aries, that is associated with the rising sign. Cancer, which is associated with the house of home in the bottom of the chart. Libra, which is associated with the relationship house. And Capricorn with the career. So all of these signs begin in one of those four auspicious days or the holidays of astrology, which of course is the two equinoxes and the two solstices. And what's happening with us right now, I think it's on the 21st, so it's going to be in two days, but at least you can prepare for it. It's going to be on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, I'm also going to do the class on cancer and we're going to talk a lot about the dynamics of cancer and what to do with cancer how to how to get along with cancers and what is the essence of that archetype so I, people ask me yes there will be a recording for it and we're going to do it at nine o'clock la time on a tuesday but it's going to be available the same day and it is the solstice and the solstice is the first day like we said of cancer and cancer is a cardinal water sign what is cardinal cardinal is the principle of pushing things forward of initiating the rite of passage, the call to action. It is the uh, a match that begins things, right? So when you have Aries, of course, spring begins in the Northern Hemisphere. When we have Cancer, we have summer solstice because summer begins. In the in, of course, in the Southern Hemisphere, it will be winter that starts. But the important thing in the solstice is that during the solstice, in the summer at least, the summer solstice is signified by the sun reaching the highest point it can in the sky. So it is a celebration of the sun. And being a cardinal water sign, cancer makes you feel, you know, because what is cardinal? To push forward, to initiate, like we said, to begin something, to start, to lead. So to lead what? In the case of cancer, it's a water sign to lead your feelings or to be led by your feelings. It's interesting because the tarot card for the for cancer is the chariot that is led by four horses. These are the four creatures from Ezekiel's vision, Ezekiel 1, when he saw the spacecraft basically landing down. That's the chariot. The chariot is also in Kabbalah, the symbol of meditation. 
So whenever you hear the word chariot, even in the, Mahabag- in the Bhagavad Gita, in the Mahabharata, you hear that idea of lessons of mysticism taught on the chariot by the charioteer, Krishna. So the same thing happens with cancer. It is a chariot that leads us forward. But the thing that leads us are emotions. That's why the key word for cancer is I feel. The idea is that now for the next 30 days, we should be led by our feelings. And that is maybe one of the reasons why the church at the 4th century, 400 years after the guy died, decided that St. John was the Baptist, was born on the 24th of June. That will correspond with the fact that Luke tells us that John was born six months before Jesus. The whole idea of John is that he's like the water that breaks before Jesus the child is born. Of course, we know that Jesus was not born on the 24th of December, so that kind of destroys the whole 24th of June. But the idea is much older than Jesus and much older than John. The idea is the winter solstice and the summer solstice being a very important periods in the longest day, the longest night, depends where you are on the planet. But the idea is that it's some form of a gateway. And that's why the solstice has always been associated with a gateway of humanity, meaning that our human aspect is being opened right now. We are being born. That's why cancer is the sign of giving birth. So it's your mother, cancer, who is giving birth to you. What's happening on the solstice, when we get to the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere, it will be around Christmas, then we will talk about the gateway of the gods because the goddess is giving birth to the child of light. And you'll see that, um, we'll talk about it a little bit when we mention St. John, that June 24 was also a very special celebration for uh, the Romans that used to connect it to Fortuna, the goddess of uh, luck, the goddess that constantly changes and shifts the tables around, turns the tables around. Uh, That's, by the way, Fortuna was the goddess that was associated with uh, the change of fortune in a sense, but also with the idea that uh, from uh, from rag to rich, the, the American dream in a sense, that somebody very poor can become somebody very rich. That idea was very much welcomed by poors, by servants, by um, slaves in the Roman Empire. So it was a celebration that any moment the Fortuna can come and reverse our lot. Of course, if you're very rich and you have a lot of money, that could be a problem. But if you're a, a slave, that could only mean good. So people that have nothing to lose actually worship Fortuna much more. It's kind of weird because you think about it, Fortuna is the goddess of luck. And obviously these people who are slaves or poor have no luck. But because of the tendency of Fortuna to change the courses of event, it's almost like a moving junction, a generator of synchronicity. They actually, those that are underprivileged, ended up worshipping her much more, hoping that she will come and visit them. And because they're down, bring them up and the people that are up can be brought down. So the idea of in June 24, you should do something to celebrate luck. Maybe drive around a place where it has no parking and try to see if you can find parking or try the dice. I don't know. Uh, try to do something to honor Fortuna on the 24th. But the 21st is the actual solstice, the actual time that is considered to be sacred and the first day of cancer, the giving birth of giving birth in a sense. The keyword for cancer for the next 30 days is I feel, and I'll talk about it quite a lot on Tuesday, that whole idea of generating feelings and what creates the most amount of feelings for us, if not our family, 
our mother, you know, Mamma Mia. And that's what we call out when we're in, in, dis in distress, in a sense. So the idea of the mother, um, the family generating a lot of emotions, positive, negative, a lot of the wounds, you know. So we are, in a sense, entering our womb again during the, the summer solstice, give, being able to give birth to ourselves anew. One of the rituals that I really recommend for uh, the solstice is to spend time by the water, either walking by water, spending time inside of water, around water. Uh, if you could do... Uh, something that, for example, I think I talked about it last week, that the, uh, if you look at the tradition of Ifa, of the Yoruba tribes in Africa, every, you can say, aspect of nature has an orisha or an angel or an agent that basically represents it, personifies it. And the one that is associated with rivers is Oshun. It's a goddess. And the way to worship Oshun, according to Santeria, is to go into the cold water hopefully it's cold water because i mean at least it's a uh, hot springs which are also great but it usually the rivers are cold because it's melted uh, melted um, snow i just was in yosemite and then i went to uh, palm spring with my nephew and my niece and a lot of bathing in cold water and the cold water makes you kind of like either scream or laugh out loud and that's precisely the ritual that you're supposed to do with Oshun you're supposed to go into the river splash yourself with water and laugh out loud and that's what brings her you know sometimes wizards invoke energies and in prayers in different religion you kind of uh, try to repeat the same mantra or you're trying to um, pray really hard for God to listen to you and in the Orisha it's uh, of Oshun it's very very easy you just go into the river and you laugh and that is her prayer and that's when she comes and helps you physically because cold water is really important for you i've been doing these cold showers i think since the uh, beginning of the pandemic and it really sets me up in a good way throughout the day so that's my river i don't laugh so much i'm just got used to it but if you if you don't have a river get into the cold shower on the 21st of uh, um, june on the solstice and laugh as, las, as loud as you can, screaming if you need to with the cold water to summon the energies of the Orisha Ushun. So that will be a great, things for, a great thing for you to, to do on the solstice, a great ritual that will bring about the cancer energy, uh, giving birth to yourself anew, and the idea of connecting to water. Because again, cancer is a cardinal water sign. And another thing I want you to focus this month, if you can, is to try to change the way you say, um, I think, uh, or I believe into I feel. So you know how you say, um, for example, to your partner, I think that that dress doesn't work well with your hat so instead of that to say i feel that dress doesn't doesn't really work really well with your hat so try it out because the key word for cancer and the magic of cancer is all about feeling and emoting yourself and by saying i feel you're not only saying to yourself that you're feeling but you're also saying to people around you that you are experiencing emotions and that you're in a feeling mode which will allow them to correspond the same way and you'll notice that it happens a lot when you speak a lot with i feel people will answer back with i feel and the next thing you know you're both being concerning and perfect for the timing so again in rome behave as the romans do in cancer behave as the cancers do that's the whole idea behind the zodiac real estate of the year so that was about cancer. Uh, June 19, we are now. June 18 is when we went out of the shadow of Mercury. So I think that after 
uh, the 21st, there will be some kind of a shift, some kind of an energy. For thousands of years, people all over the world have been celebrating that day, the solstice, sometimes with bonfires welcoming the sun, uh, either by rituals for Fortuna, like we said, all around the world, solstice has always been very important. So we can ride a wave on, on that wave of energy that has already been accumulated for thousands of years and can create some kind of shift or some kind of change in our uh, life right now. So that is about cancer. Let's see uh, what I have for you today. One of the things that uh, happened this week that made me really happy, uh, besides being in places like uh, Yosemite and Palm Spring and the desert, um, was that um, I found out because of strangers strange things or stranger things or whatever it's called the tv show from um netflix that um kate bush is number one now i don't know if you heard about kate bush i'm sure that a lot of you did in 1985 her fifth uh album came out hounds of love and in that there is a really amazing song um running up that hill so it was when I was 85, 85, I was in uh, high school at that time. I think that uh, all the characters in Stranger Things are about my age, meaning that I watch it and I'm thinking, oh my God, that's the music I used to listen. That's the Walkman I used to have in high school. So they're precisely in high school when I was in high school. And yes, uh, Kate Bush, is. I discovered her back then. And she is really remarkable. First of all, I don't know if you know about it, but her IQ is off the roof. It's like uh, she's considered to be a certified genius. And that specific record was the first time, let's say, that a, a song that was actually written by a woman, performed by a woman, reached uh, the top of the charts. Before that, if there was a woman who sang a song that reached it, it's because a man wrote it. So not only did she write that, but she actually produced it. And if she produced it with a new synthesizer that was like the top of the line at that time uh, with sampling, you know, 85. We're talking about the middle of the 80s. It's before uh, the Internet. And she was already sampling things. So if you listen to the song, the reason why it worked so well on young people, you, you open TikTok and all of the kids are talking about this uh, song is because it is produced not by a regular producer from the 80s because anybody who produced anything in the 80s, if you remember, they all sounded the same with the synthesizers, same sound, same, same formula. But here comes a woman who actually does her own production on instruments that were not used before. And no wonder the song actually stays relevant for kids who are in Gen, in Gen Z, not only Generation X. So that's beautiful. That's remarkable. And by the way, it's the first time in the history that after 44 years or 45 years, a song actually resurrects and come back uh, and hits the number one so it's kind of an echo a reverberation from the past in a sense and when i actually looked at um, her chart her birth chart first of all no wonder she's a genius look at that she has minerva the goddess of wisdom right on top of her son sun represents your self-expression and she has uranus on top of the sun which makes her even more of a genius because uranus is considered to be the mad professor so in many ways in a parallel life kate bush is professor kate bush and she deals with quantum mechanic or sounds that come from aliens i don't know something completely different and crazy that even the academy is having a hard time with her so 
She has Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, on top of Uranus, different type of wisdom, a wisdom that can't be tamed that easily, and the sun with self-expression, and it's opposite to the moon, meaning that she was born right on the full moon, and it happens to be the full moon that is the biblical day of love. So no wonder, again, that the record from the Hounds of Love, literally the word love is in that album that made history, is by Leo, which is the sign of love, during the full moon in Leo, which is the biblical day of love. So I always love when these kind of things happen. And of course, her Venus is on top of Vesta, uh, the goddess of the hearth uh, in Cancer. And when she was interviewed and asked, what happened to you all these years? Well, she said, I wanted to vacuum and I wanted to make laundry and I wanted to be a mother and I wanted to be normal. Because at the age of 19, she started being the center of attention and also the center of a lot of attacks of chauvinists, basically, that didn't really accept her. And uh, I'm basically blaming her or accusing her of trying to be too sexy and stuff like that. You know how it was in the 80s. But anyway, her Venus is in Cancer. Very domesticated. Vesta. Vesta is the goddess of the hearth in Cancer. Very domesticated. So no wonder that she decided, okay, I gave my Leo a period of time of fame. Now I'm going to move towards my Venus in Cancer. Venus in Cancer, by the way, is the two of cups in the tarot card, which is called love. So again, you see that repetition of that love energy. And on top of Vesta, probably Vesta decided eventually, you know what? Since the age of 19, until your Saturn return, you dedicated yourself to fame. Maybe it's time to retire and be the cancer venus that you're supposed to especially with the fact that she's a scorpio rising which means that she was very secretive i think for five years she didn't even mention the fact that she had a kid so again you see how these things manifest uh, in the stars another thought i had i don't know if i shared it with you about green thumbs because um when i was doing the workshop uh, in uh Omega with Laura Day. She talked quite a lot about mediumship. And then I st when I was listening to her, I suddenly uh, had this thought that really green thumbs should be explained again, because I consider myself somebody with a green thumb. I hope that not only my thumbs are green, but the rest of my hands, it's very hard to kind of like garden only with your thumbs. And I do have a tendency to make things green. I was a gardener in my kibbutz when I was in Israel after the army. And uh, later on, when I moved here, uh, I didn't have a garden. And actually, this whole place in front of my office that I'm looking now was cement with cars parked and the garbage bins. And slowly what happened is that I moved the cars and I started digging into the cement, finding that underneath the cement there are there is earth. And then if you would looked here, you would see a complete garden where the cement was. So I'm kind of used to it. You know, it's the mythology of Israel turning the desert into um, green spaces. And I took that mythology and turned concrete into green places. And these are just a few samples of the flowers I took pictures of from my garden in the last few uh, uh, weeks. Of course, it was spring, so it's not fair. But still, I think that the whole idea of green thumbs is a little bit misunderstood because really green thumbs are very much similar to mediumship. So if you consider yourself somebody who is a medium, and I like to talk about it during cancer or almost in cancer because cancer is the sign of mediums. If you think about what is a medium, a medium is somebody that allows space for a spirit, for an idea, for a concept to 
to channel through them, almost like allowing yourself to become a pipe, a, a messenger in a sense to something higher. And what more than that than is cancer, the mother that allows a child, a soul to be hosted inside of her in order to bring life. So definitely having a green thumb is a type of mediumship, a type of channeling in a sense. Channeling what? Well, channeling Mother Nature or if you want, channeling the green men. And what I'm trying to say is that in order for you to be your garden to flow better, for your pots in your house to be more green, the only thing you need to do is pay attention to them. And I know that some people think you need to talk to your plants. I don't really talk to my plants and they grow beautifully. I don't think it's necessary to talk. Maybe you need to focus your attention by talking. That's totally fine. But that's more for you than for the plants. I think what the plants need, like everything on life in life, is attention is love. What is love? Love is an appreciation. Love for me is a lot of time following up. I told you that, um, I don't know, I'm having a really hard time and, and I'm feeling still a little bit down. I don't feel like telling you, you know, I'm still feeling down. I kind of expect you or hope that you would reach out to me and say, hey, how are you feeling today? This is follow up, right? You tell somebody something intimate and you expect them to continue asking about that story to see if you're in a better situation. Remember, intimacy, Scorpio, Scorpio's transformation. We ask to see if there is some transformation in your condition or offering some kind of healing. So the same thing with plants. The only thing you need to do in order to get your green thumb greener is to follow up on the plants. For example, I notice uh, when I walk, if there is a new bud, if there is a new flower, if the flower that was there is gone, if there is a new branch, if there are leaves that seem to be a little bit more uh, yellow for some reason. This is paying attention. It, it's not like going to the doctor and getting some kind of diagnosis. Oh my God, the, the plant is dying. No, it's more about day-to-day experience of the plant as being part of you again it's all part of that oneness and when i'm talking about mediumship i'm talking about channeling your garden through you allowing yourself when you walk into the garden if you need to you can close your eyes if you better not because then you can't see the plants you need to open your eyes to the plants and if you need to you can close your eyes it's fine and then to basically imagine you bringing the plants into you, becoming the plants, you becoming the plants, the plants becoming you, somehow tying yourself and your energy together. And that will make you much more able to notice and to feel if there's something new. Every day I walk in the garden and I'm talking about my garden is about five meters by five meters, something like that. No, maybe 10 by six, six, seven by seven. It's not like a huge place, but it's okay to walk there and just to notice if there's any change, any kind of change, because that's kind of, that, that's growth. That's growth. I'm talking about it. And uh, Banga opened the door. Hey, Banga. So that idea of being able to channel nature, to bring it into you, uh, through you, is really what Green Thumbs is all about. And if you are now in the Northern Hemisphere, even in the Southern Hemisphere, there is a lot of movement with uh, nature. So just... Do it as an experiment in the next month of cancer to nurture. Well, that's what cancer is all about. The garden, to water your garden, not only with the water, but with the feeling. And one of the best meditations could be to water your plants and literally to sit there with uh, or stand there with uh, the hose and to imagine how you're giving them not necessarily only uh, water, but also 
other things they need, which is usually attention. And again, the more you give to the to the garden, the more it will give you back. And what I've noticed also is that the more you give to the plants, the more the animals actually come. I mean, hummingbirds are all over my garden. There is so many butterflies. There's so many other types of birds. They just feel that there is a, an ecosystem there working with them. So again, I think that that's something that will be really important to practice in this next uh, month. So the summer solstice is happening in June 21st, and that is the time we are being baptized by the holy waters of compassion. So remember, we talked about John, say John being June 24, the same way that solstice, a winter solstice or Christmas is June 20, uh, December 24, 25, is because in the old days, that's when the equinoxes and the solstices were happening. So back then it was the 24. Right now it's the 21st. If you ask me in two, th two years, it might be the 19. But the important thing is that the, the Feast of St. John or St. John Eve, which is June 23rd, is associated with the idea of um, baptism. And the whole concept of that baptism is rebirth. It's getting back into the water of the womb and coming out of the water of the womb, purified, purged. That is really what baptism is. And it doesn't happen when you're a baby. If you're Christian, it happens every year on the 21st of June. It's just that we forgot it. That's why if you can't be next to a water source, I understand, um, go to your shower and just do that cold shower we talked about on June 21st and really try to envision what is it that you want to cleanse yourself from. We'll do a short meditation in a second. Uh, June 23rd until July 18, Venus is going to be in uh, Gemini. And Venus likes, loves to be in Gemini. I mean, the, the, uh, the tarot card for Gemini is the lovers. And Venus is the goddess of love. Uh, Gemini is ruled by Mercury. And Venus and Mercury had a love affair. We know about it from the uh, Hermaphrodite, of course, that was uh, their offsprings. So definitely there is something happening with love right now. You know, the next three weeks, especially when we have still Mercury in Gemini, uh, out of the shadow, we have Venus transiting into Gemini. It's great for business, for personal relationship. Communication and art are coming together to forge something new for you. So definitely relationships and opportunities with relationships should get much, much better. Whole solstice. Solstice comes from the word sol, which is, of course, sun, and stitium, which means stoppage or stop because it seems like the sun shines, goes up and down in the same location, and then slowly it starts decreasing. And it is associated with uh, St. John the Baptist, like we said. Uh, John itself, it's kind of a coincidence or not. John in Hebrew is Yohanan, and Yohanan has the verb or the root Hanan. Hanan means to pardon. It means also compassion. It means unconditional love. And indeed, these are the most important things for cancer. A mother, cancer, always forgives her child. Even if her child has been a murderer and he's in jail, she will still have unconditional love towards him. Even if the whole world hates him and put him in jail for life, sentence, or even death, the mother, the archetype of the mother, usually uh, the mother of people like that maybe uh, is not completely uh, unconditional in her love. But I'm just saying the archetype of the mother will always be pardoning, forgiving and unconditional in her love towards her child. And that's precisely what the word Yohanan means in Hebrew. Hana is in English or Hana in English will be the same. Um, 
It is interesting because um, what it's considered St. John is also associated with herbology. Uh, even though Virgo is the lady of the herbs, apparently around the midsummer we have uh, something that was called the herb evening because it was uh, said to be the most potent night to gather the herbs. And again, don't forget that cancer is also associated with healing, especially the healing of the family. And one of the herbs that was very much sought after is St. John Wort, named after St. John, because it blooms around the time of St. John um, Day, the June to end of June. And it was sought to, to ward off demons and witches, which is interesting because, as you know, St. John Wort is really taken for depression or for feeling sad. And, of course, depressions and sads are associated or personification of those things would be demons and witches because there's no real demons and not real witches in that sense. But the feeling of being down is almost being attacked by a demon or being possessed by some kind of demon. So that's why St. John is called St. John. And the idea is also that uh, coming from John 3, 30, uh, he must increase, but I must decrease. And some people didn't understand what John is talking about. Uh, he, of course, uh, talks about Jesus, but I am talking about St. John that says must decrease. So this, if anybody knows a little bit about astrology, understands the difference between the summer solstice in the northern hemisphere that is associated with John and the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere that is associated with Christ, right? Christmas. What happened on the 21st of June, which is the summer solstice? The sun is full and the day after it's going to start decreasing. What happened on the sum, uh, the winter solstice? The sun is, uh, the day is the youngest, the smallest, sorry, the shortest. And what happened if day after that? The sun or the day increases. So that is the idea behind John 3, 3. 3.30, that he must increase, that's Jesus who increases the light of the day, but I must decrease, that is the summer solstice, that after the day becomes decreased. So just that you understand how astrology, like I told you, is, you can say, the skeleton on which religion uh, start dressing up with their stories, the body of the actual faith. So that is a... Um, what we have to focus on in the next 30 days, I'll talk about it quite a lot in Tuesday, compassion, ancestral karma. I'm going to talk in uh, Tuesday about the Greek mythology and how it shows remarkably well this idea of ancestral karma, intergenerational transfer. So we're going to talk a lot about mythology. Memories. This is something that cancer does rule. Uh, memories. So especially early childhood memories. One of the exercises that you should do is try to fish a memory you never thought about since that moment that it happened during the time of uh, your, during your childhood. So try to think about a memory from the age of two, three, maybe interview uh, older brothers, aunts, uh, parents that maybe can help you. But the idea is to bring back, to, to harvest memories from your past because that's very much associated with cancer. That is the foundation of your emotions. Family, try to spend time in family. The whole idea of security is very important with cancer. The home represents, you know, we had this discussion with my nephew and my niece we, just yesterday because they were going back to Israel. I stayed here. Where do they feel at home? Where each one of us feels at home? And the idea of where home is, is where you feel safe. You can be a person born in France. France could be your home, but if you don't feel safe in France, it's not your home. You can't call it your home. The idea is that the home is a place where you feel secured and 
and safe, emotionally safe, financially safe, um, all kind of safeness. And the key word, like we said, is the I feel. That is the most important uh, part of it. Now, what I would like you to do is maybe if you can close your eyes for a few minutes as we do our little um, meditation for, for the solstice. So just close your eyes. Take deep breaths to your stomach. The part of the body that is ruled by cancer is the stomach, the breasts, your rib cage. And just imagine yourself breathing deeper and deeper. I want you now to imagine how you're walking in this beautiful forest. Your favorite trees. You can hear a river from the distance with some waterfall cascading. You can hear the birds and the sounds of the forest that calm you down. You feel that this forest is familiar to you. You've been there before. You feel safe, secured. Happy to be there. And as you walk deeper in the forest, you reach a clearing in the forest. A big meadow where the river flows. You look up and the sun is above, no clouds. The sun is the highest it can get in the sky and you know it's the solstice. You feel the sun on your skin, vitalizing you, giving you strength and healing. And as you get closer to the river, you see that there is a person there waiting for you, one of your ancestors, could be male or female, young or old, somebody that is no longer alive, but an ancestor. Somebody who shares your genetic material, which is also ruled by cancer. Your genes, which houses the information that make you who you are. And that ancestor is taking you by the hand walking with you to the river and takes you into the cold water of the river. At first it's a little shocking, but that ancestor begins to laugh and you laugh as well because it's kind of funny. And you allow the cold water to bring that reaction from your body. And as you are being baptized, I want you to imagine the color orange-yellow, the color of cancer. I want you to imagine the moon. And I want you to take a few deep breaths inside the water 
imagining what is it that you want to cleanse yourself from. What is the real dirt that you need to take off your body? It's not a physical one, mud, but maybe an internal one, a thought, an emotion, an attitude, even a memory that still haunts you, a relationship that you couldn't let go of, a physical problem, an issue with a person. Imagine how that river, this cold river, takes whatever that issue and sucks you, sucks it out of you, releases it from you. So when you come back from this baptism, you will not have to deal with it ever again. You take a few breaths. And allow the sounds of the overtone to imagine how it is like waves, not of sounds, but waves of water, washing again everything you need to cleanse yourself from. Um. Imagine how your ancestor helps you out of the river. The sun dries you, opens up your heart. Your ancestor hugs you and touches you in your third eye. As you slowly come back to the here and now and to this time, now let's look at what is happening this week. So we have today the moon is in Pisces. Uh, right on top of Vesta, it actually talks about instinct in relation to home and family. So that's kind of perfect. Uh, that's happening to us today. Today is a great day for meditation. Uh, anything to do with emotions, imagination, today and tomorrow on Monday, which is the day of the moon, will definitely be blessed. You can see that Mercury is going to spend a quite a, lot a long time in Gemini. Uh, longer than the sun, obviously. The sun on Tuesday is going to move away from Gemini to Cancer. And you see that we have quite a lot of Taurus activity, Venus in Taurus, Minerva in Taurus, the North Node in Taurus, of course, and Uranus, which will be in Taurus until 2026. Um, I'm starting, like I told you, to write the book for 2023. And one of the interesting things that is happening in 2023 is a lot of change of uh, planetary positions. We have Pluto moving away from Capricorn to Aquarius back to Capricorn. We're going to have the North Node moving sign. We're going to have Jupiter move sign. We're going to have Saturn move sign. So there is a lot of movement in relation to planets, both personal and social and as well as global uh, in 2023. So it basically means a year of dramatic changes. 
But uh, what's happening on Sunday, today, there's old wounds that have been coming out in the last few days uh, just because Mars is on top of Chiron uh, right now. So the next few days, it still continues. Monday is the last day of Gemini. Uh, overall, the moon is going to be on top of Neptune. Actually, very positive for anything to do with imagination, uh, meditation, dance, movement. Uh, that would be really positive for you guys in the sense that there's going to be a lot of insights, a lot of um, intuition. In um, June 21st, we have the first day of cancer, the first day of summer in the north and winter in the south. The only problem with that day, which is not always the easiest and the best because whatever happens in solstice kind of lasts longer, is that the moon and the sun are squaring. The father archetype and the mother archetype are having a hard time. The moon is in Aries, which is all about killing and validating the battlefield that everybody's dead, to Cancer, whose whole job is to be unconditional in their love, including to their enemies. So you have here a little bit of a conflict between the warrior, the fighter that kills people, and the nurse that tries to fix them after. You know, So it's a little bit of a clash of energy between uh, I am to I feel, between uh, me and myself and my family. So again, a little bit of lack of satisfaction on Monday, a Tuesday, sorry, a little bit down kind of energy. Um, and we have a lot of activity in Aries. We have the moon in Aries, Jupiter in Aries, Chiron in Aries, Mars in Aries. There's quite a lot of energy of Aries. And of course, Aries is a square sign, meaning not a very compatible sign with Cancer. So just watch it, even though Tuesday is the solstice. It's a celebration of, of um, water and of life. But we have that moon in Aries that means an instinct to be a little bit more angry, especially at family members. Then what we have on Wednesday is continuing a little bit that trend because the moon, which is representative of Cancer, is on top of Mars, which is the representative of Aries in Aries. So we have, again, an instinct or a tendency to fight. To fight first and then ask questions or to be something, say something nasty and maybe not uh, wanting to apologize. So there is conflict, especially because not only we have the moon on top of Mars, which is the god of war, but we also have it on top of Chiron, which is the old uh, wound, wounded healer. So there's going to be a lot of wounds that seem to surface up, to come up, uh, which makes it a little bit tougher energetically speaking. So definitely take your time uh, on that day. Uh, be a little bit more relaxed. Uh, try not to surrender to anger. Surrender to the instinct to act out, especially um, Wednesday, because Wednesday seems to be the most uh, challenging in that sense. There's a lot of uh, um, warmongering, you can say. Then what happens on uh, Thursday, we're starting to shift the energy from Aries to a Taurus and that same day Venus moves from Taurus to Gemini. Venus in Gemini, like we said, could be actually very helpful, especially for relationships. And we're going to have to wait until uh, Friday when the moon moves into Taurus, the moon of success, for things to start mellowing down and making it a little bit easier to handle. And the moon is exalted in Taurus. The moon exalted in Taurus is really good during Cancer, especially when the moon is sending a trine to uh, the sun in Cancer. So that would be actually very, very positive. So Friday will be easier. Things are moving better. Saturday as well, especially because on Saturday, the moon is going to be on top of your north node and on top of Uranus. There could be an unpredictable, unexpected expected meeting with somebody maybe from a past life and also there's a beautiful trine between Pluto and Minerva and Venus and the moon so that also will be very very helpful 
The only thing that day is that Saturn is squaring the moon. So women who are older than you can be a little bit more difficult or challenging uh, to handle. Let's see if there are any uh, questions or things that um, you would want to look to. The area coming up for people is karmic. It's not necessarily karmic. It's almost like it is um, a very hot day uh, during uh, spring, you know, and it's not necessarily coming from anything specific besides that it's it's an extra hot day. So you can look at it as an extra hot day. Uh, yeah, the Midsummer Eve is the 23rd of uh, June. The 24th is usually considered to be the Midsummer. And uh, uh, the wildflowers and put them under their pillows and dream about their future partner. Yeah, it's a beautiful tradition. Here we have something from Sweden. You gather seven different wildflowers, which should not be that e that hard right now. You put them under your pillow and may dream about future partners. And if you have a partner, maybe it's dreaming about past partners. I don't know. So maybe if you have a partner, don't do that. But if you don't have a partner, you know, learn from the Vikings and put your wildflowers. And seven is interesting because even seven in Kabbalah, seven in numerology, seven in astrology is always associated with relationships. So that's a great ritual to do as well. Um, also, I'm going to start traveling. So I'm going to see how I'm able to do the Sunday classes because from nine o'clock or 10 o'clock in the morning is going to move to nine or 10 or depends where I'm going to be in the world. I think that in July we'll continue. Maybe in August we'll have a break, but um, I'm going to be in Turkey. I'm going to be in Bulgaria. I'm going to be in Zurich. I'm going to be in Pisa, if anybody's there. And I'm going to be in London for sure. In London, I posted the classes. We're going to have one class on the color therapy, how to use colors, and another new class about what's your story, how to work with your story. That's the way you tell your story is the way you live your life. So we're going to talk about how you can make your own pitch as if you were a movie, how you can find your mission statement. And that we're going to do at Trioga. And with alternatives, I'm going to do a class about the Bible stories and how you can actually use them, the old stories in your in the modern life. We're going to make it um, a little uh, class about the Bible. And uh, all of these classes are hybrid. So you can also join us uh, uh, through Zoom. And of course, in Bulgaria, I have a lot of classes. I'm going to send uh, an email to my Bulgarian friends soon. And um, where else? In Tel Aviv also I'm going to be. So if you want uh, readings or more information about the classes, just uh, email me and uh, or you can just click on those links that I just placed um, in the classes, in the chat section. So any questions? Uh, can you talk about the eighth house? Yeah, 8th house, basically, uh, I'm looking now at the live question. 8th house is the house of sexuality, intimacy, transformation. So you have a lot of planets there. It means that either you are kind of a witch, somebody that can really heal and create intimacy with people because the 8th house is the generator of intimacy. Whatever you have in the 8th house or the ruler of your 8th house could be, you know, let's say it's Sagittarius, then you have to look to where you have Jupiter, which is the ruler of it, can tell you how and with whom you create a lot of intimacy and also how you deal with death. Any other questions uh, from um, live Instagram trying to read from a distance? Um Let's see. So far it is. Um, thank you. Yeah. About the travels. Uh, any other questions coming from the live or from here? 
And no, I will send you everything we talked about. Try to do that meditation we did here on the 21st, if you can remember. And again, spend some time in water on the 21st. I hope you have an amazing, beautiful week, an amazing solstice, which is a very important um, time. Like we said, it's one of those holidays. It's almost like celebrating Christmas, if uh, uh, almost the same. Yeah. And the gateway of humanity. So there might be uh, somebody stepping into your life because gateway, open, humanity, we are human. So that would be good. And try to do the thumb, uh, green thumb thing. Try to feel your garden and see how it works. Can you find harmony with my Aries, Stellium? You know, Aries, how to find how to find peace with the Aries stellium, especially if it's it's causing some trouble with cancer. You know, the whole idea is to instead of moving from back and forth, whenever you have conflict with any planetary aspects or anything in your life, instead of going between back and forth between the two, you just have to find a way to integrate them. So Aries is fighting. Cancer is home. How can you fight for homes? How can you protect people's homes? For example, you can be a real estate agent and you use your Aries energy to sell people and buy from people homes. Or you can decide to be a contractor because then you're physically working with homes. Or you can decide to be a social worker and fight for kids who have no home to find a home. So you basically have to find ways to put together action, movement, energy, doing with cancer, which is all about feelings, emotions, home and family. It's always about building a better formula from the aspects that you have yourself. Um, may you have say, oh, thank you. Meaning that the things do we only look transits that I don't understand. Uh, do we have a look at solstice uh, transits? No, I mean, in synastry uh, charts, I'm not sure it's important. I mean, the problem with astrology and some astrology is that they start looking at the chart of the chart of the chart of the chart, and you'll find that always something's happening, and it's so confusing. So you have to be a little bit more uh, careful with choosing what you look at and what you pay attention to. I look at transits, natal, and progression. Some people add direction, and some people add the transits of this and the transit of that, and you get so confused with so much information that you can't really tell where you're going. So... That's my feeling. Um, are you giving soul charts reading at all? Soul charts, uh, the soul charts are associated, if that's what you mean, with putting the North Node in zero, zero degrees Aries. We talked about it here. It's draconic. Uh, yeah, the draconic charts. I don't do them so much because I feel that your soul knows what she needs to do. The soul does not need consultation. Your ego and yourself, you do because it's awfully confusing being a human. But being a soul is not confusing. It's just go back to the one. Very, very simple. One way. There. It's the Tao, you know. It's curious. So if you're curious about it, you can always click to see Draconic and you can see what your sun is. The sun, I mean, the sun is the tribe, your soul tribe that you can you can say that you belong to. That would be interesting for you. And maybe if you look at what where the sun is, um, that could make some you know, ideas for you, but no, I don't look at it unless somebody asks me. Well, thank you very much uh, for joining again. Happy, amazing solstice. I wish you the best, 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 and I'll see you next Sunday before I leave to uh, uh, my pilgrimage to Europe and Asia because Israel is Asia, and I'm going to actually be in Turkey in the Asian side as well. Uh, if you ever... Um,
get there it's really amazing so um, thanks a lot and have a beautiful beginning of summer or beginning of uh, winter <laughs>